The first reading for All Saints Day is from Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. It really is a glimpse of heaven uh, to see you all here and to hear you singing. A glimpse of heaven in this way. Because I hear all of your voices singing in unison these profound and beautiful words about a future a future that is yours, and a future that is enjoyed right now by your beloved, who have died in the faith, the noble army of saints and martyrs who are before the throne of God, singing his praises day and night, waiting eagerly for that day of judgment, when they will be vindicated, when you and I will be vindicated, when we will rise to glory before God in heaven. It is a joyous and beautiful thing. It is a pure and lovely thing to hear you singing those words I was going to begin a little bit differently, this sermon, but then I heard you all singing, and I had to start by telling you about that. Here's how I was going to begin. 
even when uh, the snow is unwelcome, even when the snow is unwelcome, when it comes too early, you can appreciate how pure it is. And it reminds me again of what we just experienced, singing in unison, singing these pure and lovely words of God. The snow is pure, pure and white, untarnished, untainted by the dirt and the mud. And when it comes, even when it comes early, it covers up all the dirt and grime of the world. And you can appreciate that, even if you stay bundled up inside and look at it through your window, you can appreciate how clean and white it is. And it's always a nice thing when the snow melts before it has a chance to get too dirty, before it has a chance for it to be stained by the mud from tires and all of the gravel and the bits of debris that find themselves on the roads. It's nice when we get to see the snow and then have it gone before it gets too dirty. Because you know the difference, of course, between clean and dirty snow. You know the difference between something that is pure and something that is impure. That's what I want to think about this morning, the difference between purity and impurity. Purity is a category that we work with regularly in our lives. So you know, in fact, the saying, I'm sure you know it, if you say someone is pure as the driven snow, pure as the driven snow, that means they're innocent. They're unaware of the evil and the sin in this world, the wickedness of this world. They're innocent, like a child, pure as the driven snow. There's another way we use the word pure that describes experiences that we have in this life. We have experiences of pure joy and pure happiness. So think about the most lovely times in your life. Usually they involve family and friends. Think back to when you were a child and you got together with the people you loved and there was nothing but happiness, nothing but fun, nothing but cheer and joy. And even if the adults had something going on, some tension in their lives, you didn't know it because it was pure joy and happiness. And you experience that now if you have children or grandchildren and everybody comes together and you set aside, you can set aside the worries and cares of this world because everyone is there. Pure joy, pure happiness. We long for those moments when we can imagine for a bit that this world is not what it seems to be. When our experiences can be untainted by sorrow and trouble. When we can once again, like children, appreciate and enjoy the beautiful things that God has given us in this life. There is another sense in which we use the word pure, and that has to do with our own consciences, our own sense of ourselves. So think about what it's like in those moments when you've done something you know you shouldn't, and you feel impure, you feel unclean. Compare that to those times when things are going well, when you feel the blessings of God, when you are successful and things are going well and it is pure, you feel like you are pure, like you are clean, like things have been set on a straight and narrow path and everything's going to be okay. Those moments are experiences of purity in this life. When St. John in Revelation describes the multitude wearing white clothes, he's talking about a kind of purity. But the thing to observe this morning, the thing to learn from All Saints Day, is that the kind of purity, the kind of white, clean clothing that these saints are wearing is completely different from the kind of purity and joy that we experience in this life. It is beyond comprehension. It is unimaginable. There is a purity, there is a wholesomeness and a goodness. There are blessings that are beyond anything this world has to offer. In fact, they are so grand and so lovely and so beautiful that they make the joy and the blessings of this life seem like dirty snow in comparison. They are so good, so wholesome, and so pure. The blessings that God has in store for you, his beloved, they are so wonderful 
that they make even the best things of this life seem like dirty snow. Because what we regard in this life as a blessing, what we regard in this life as joy, as pure, you know, as well as I do, that it is lacking. That innocence is never pure. It is never complete. If you have any misgivings about this, just imagine, just think about how nobody had to teach you when you were a kid. Nobody had to teach you to tell lies, right? From the beginning, we are not as innocent as we may seem. Even the most innocent person has what's in their hearts, something that makes them unclean. The goodness that we experience in this life, why do we cherish it so much? Why do we hold so tightly to those moments of pure joy and goodness? Because we know that they are fleeting, that they come and they go, and that our loved ones come and they go. We hold on to them dearly because they are so good, and yet there is something lacking. And even the blessings, the blessings that God showers on us, the blessings that he rains on the good and the evil, we know that there is something missing there. Something missing. Something greater that he has in store for us. Even the best things of this world are not pure. We treat them as though they were the best, as though they were the purest things, but they are, in fact, like dirty snow. In fact, Isaiah, maybe you remember this passage from Isaiah where he says that all of our righteous deeds, all of the things that we do that are most in accord with God's will, the things that we do that delight God the most, even all of those things, all of our righteous deeds are what? They are like dirty rags. We need something better, something purer. And you heard it. In fact, you said it three times this morning how all of those saints came to be clothed in white garments. This is what you said. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white. How? In the blood of the Lamb. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now that sounds like nonsense. How can blood possibly make something white? I think this is one of the reasons why the world struggles to appreciate the blessings that God has for us, for all the world in Christ Jesus, because it seems outrageous. Perhaps you remember the story of Naaman the Syrian. It's a name you don't hear that often, but it's Naaman the Syrian who was alive at the time of the kings in Israel, and he had leprosy. He was sick. He had a disease that made him impure. Even though he was a commander in the army of Syria, he had this skin disease that made him unclean and impure. And he was given the advice, go and seek out the prophet in Israel. God's prophet in Israel. I know that he can do something about your disease. So Naaman goes to visit the prophet in Israel. And the prophet says, you can be clean. What you must do is wash in the Jordan River seven times. Which may seem like something that you would gladly agree to do if that was the promise. Wash in the river seven times and you'll be just fine. But Naaman thought to himself, that Jordan River is just a dirty little creek. It can't even make my, can't even wash the dirt off of my fingers. How can it possibly cleanse my leprosy? All of the rivers back home, he said, those are wonderful, clean, pure watered rivers. I'm going to go wash in those rivers and then I'll be clean. At least my skin will be clean if not cured of this disease. At least I'll wash the dirt off. But in this Jordan River, that can't possibly make me clean. That can't possibly wash away this leprosy. And so he turned to go away. Nahum and the Syrian wouldn't have the cure. His servants appealed to him to listen to the prophet's words, and he did. And like a miracle, he washed in the Jordan River seven times, and he came out, and the writer of the book of First Kings describes it to us. He says that his skin was like that of a baby's. It was so pure, 
so undefiled, so unstained with everything that had stained it before, even though the cure was unimaginable, even though the cure made no sense. This is, I think, why it is so hard for the world and oftentimes hard for us to imagine that it can be true that our clothes, that ourselves, could be washed in the blood of a lamb. How can a man dying on the cross, how can that ugly and profane image, how can that make me clean? How can he make me clean? How can blood make me clean? In fact, we know that the problem with our lives, the problem with the joys we experience in this world, the problem with our sense of purity, with the blessings that we cling to in this life, the problem with all of them is a problem that goes so deep, so deep, that it is only blood that can make it clean. In fact, it is our blood that is required. It is our blood that is required, and that is why it is a glorious thing that Christ is here this morning pouring out for you on this altar his blood in your place. This is what the cross means for you and me. It means that what we could not accomplish in this world, holding on to the joys and blessings and pleasures of life, the goodness that we love, holding on to those things is something we could not do because of our sin, nor could we pay the price. Our blood was insufficient to cover all of that sin, and yet his is. His blood is completely adequate, overflowing, in fact, to cover all of your sins, all of your guilt, everything, every last thing that makes you impure. All of the things hidden in the recesses of your heart that make you impure, his blood has covered all of them. And again, like a miracle, in a way that is beyond comprehension, his blood washes you clean and makes your garments white. So that when you stand before the throne of God, there is not a spot or a blemish. There is not a wrinkle or a stain to be seen on you because you have been washed clean. You have been washed clean. That is what Jesus is teaching his disciples as he sits down and teaches them this morning. He sits down on the mountain and opens his mouth, which is always a way of describing the word of God. It's the word of God that comes out of his mouth. And he points their eyes, he tells them to look at all of the things that this world loves. Think about the people in this world that grapple, that strive for kingdoms, that strive for comfort, that strive for inheritance and wealth, that strive to be satisfied, to be filled up by the things of this world. Think about all the people of this world who strive to see God with human eyes, not the eyes of faith. Think about the joys that they experience which are impure, which are lacking which are not complete, which are stained and defiled by sin. He says, those joys, that purity, is no good. It is like dirty snow. Here is something better, he says. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Not you who are rich in spirit. Not you who possess the kingdoms of this world. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who today mourn as you think about your loved ones who have died. Blessed are you who are meek. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst, not for the things of this world that offer to fill you up for a moment, but hunger and thirst for something better, something that lasts, something that will not fade away. Blessed are you who are not satisfied with the things of this world. Blessed are you, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. You who know what it is to receive mercy. You who know that your life 
depends on mercy. Blessed are you, for you shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, not you who have made yourself pure by the ways that this world sets before you, the, the efforts that this world sets before you to make yourselves pure, but blessed are you who are pure in heart because you have been washed with the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are you. Blessed are you who are peacemakers, who know what the peace of God is that passes all understanding. Blessed are you. For although the world looks at you and it says you're wasting your time, You're wasting your time being here in church on a Sunday morning. You're wasting your time washing your clothes in the blood of the Lamb. You're wasting your time striving after righteousness and goodness and peace and blessings in eternity because there's so much for you right now. So much for you here right now. You're wasting your time. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil about you falsely on Christ's account. For great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are you. You know the cost of those blessings, and you know that the blood which covers all your sins and delivers to you those blessings, you know that that is yours. You know what Christ came to do, not just to teach about purity and goodness, but to give it to you by his life and by his death and in his resurrection. That is what All Saints Day celebrates. Your loved ones who died in the faith, the world looks at them and it says, look, the best you can do on a day like today, the best you can do is to think positive memories. Remember the good times. Remember those joyous moments, those moments when you said this is pure happiness, this is pure joy. Remember those moments and think about those things. That's the best the world has to offer. But you want something better. And you have something better. You heard it. Your loved ones who have died in the faith are standing before the throne of God, singing day in and day out, blessing and glory and honor and might be to our God. Why? Because they have received the fulfillment of everything that he promised them. Because there are blessings and joy and purity beyond anything this world has to offer that make the blessings of this world look like dirty snow. Today, celebrate this. That those whose robes have been washed white in the blood of the Lamb, even though they die, Yet shall they live, yet do they live even now in purity and goodness and blessing. Hold fast to this. That last line, that last line of our reading from Revelation is, I think, the one we need the most. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And he has promised to do the same for you. To him be all glory now and forever. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, amen. Amen.